<clears throat> so we've been uh, talking about um, conscience, and we finished that up, and now we're going to begin our topic of uh, decision making. So that was one of the tools that we needed uh, in order to live uh, our lives in a practical and, and uh, controlled way. So um, if you haven't yet done, you can work, start working on the next set of questions, questions 3B. I know that you're ready for uh, at least the next class, if not one beyond that, depending on how far we get. <coughs> um, so sometimes our decision-making process kind of looks like this. We end up just kind of disoriented and bewildered and perplexed and unclear. And hopefully that's not the way our process works, but that's the way some people feel like uh, when they're presented with certain things. Uh, I know one of our, probably our, it's not, not a big deal, but whenever it comes time to go out and eat somewhere, where do you want to go eat? I don't know, where do you want to go eat? I don't know, where do you want to go eat? Oh, what do you feel like? Well, I don't know. And before long, you're just going to starve to death because we can't make a decision. <laughs> and so, uh, with those simple things like that, not so big a deal, but if that's the way we've approached things uh, that are very important, that will get us into big trouble. Uh, we looked at this earlier, and uh, I just wanted to highlight that um, within our cycle of study, we had a section here where we needed to make some decisions about whether, God, whether our doctrine is true or not, and we needed to be able to make a decision about whether to keep that as knowledge or throw that away in the temptation cycle. We also needed to uh, be able to, to make a decision about whether our reasoning was correct or not, and more importantly, whether um, some teaching was God's teaching or man's teaching, and then what we were going to do about it. So those are decisions we have to make, and those are probably the more important decisions. I think the, the topic and the way we're going to approach it is really uh, about all decisions. What are some things that we need? to put in place or to have to be able to make good decisions. Knowledge. Knowledge is common probably the sense. first. Got to have knowledge. Common sense. It's common sense. Any other things? How about uh, some amount of humility? That, that usually works. Sometimes when we're too proud we make bad decisions. Uh, wisdom. Talk about wisdom, and wisdom is not something we just go get, but it is something that we work on. And so, wisdom helps a lot having insight. Uh, but it all kind of starts with knowledge, I think. So, I want to look at a decision making cycle here. And so, as we look at this um, steps of decision making, there are seven steps in this particular model. We start with identifying the decision that we need to make, we gather information about that decision. We identify the alternatives, we weigh the evidence of those alternatives, we make a choice among them, then we take action, and after we've taken the action, then we review our decision. Now, should we follow this on every single decision? This is probably a little weighty for every decision. But the more important ones, we, we need to do something like this, where we're and, and probably the one thing this does for us is it forces us to slow down. That's probably the most important thing that we do. We get in a hurry and we just make a decision and, and then later we kind of wish we hadn't. And we just spend time between taking action, reviewing your decision, and going back around and around and changing our mind over and over. And that's not really a good way to, um, to do decision making. So 
Someone said a good decision is one that's made deliberately and thoughtfully, considers includes all relevant factors, is consistent with the individual's philosophy and values, and can be explained clearly to significant others. There's a lot said in that, in that single statement. Um, we talked about what we need to have. Knowledge was obviously important, I know. And so knowledge helps us to identify the decision and gather the information that we need about that decision. Um, with that, we just have information. We don't really have a decision yet. And then we need some things like our conscience. When we choose among alternatives, our conscience needs to get involved so that we make sure that uh, we make decisions that are consistent with our values, that we don't violate our conscience. And so backing up here, though, we need to be able to identify alternatives. That takes some amount of in thought, inward thought, some amount of introspection, some amount of, of intelligence to be able to do that. Weighing evidence, we need to be able to, to look at pros and cons and make good decisions, make good uh, assessments of, of what will be good about that decision, what will be bad about that decision, and be able to choose between those alternatives, then that I'm calling that prudence. Prudence is the tool that we need kind of in steps three, four, and five. Once we get to the action phase and the reviewing for decision, there are several things that come into that. Um, the action and the evaluation, but there's also like uh, courage, self-control, things like that come into play. So with this sort of process, and a lot of times we do these things very quickly, and we'll, we'll be able, we're able to, to gather the information weigh the alternatives, figure out what's the best decision, take the action and continue to watch it. We do that all the time. Um, and when we don't, when we just kind of wing it, where we just kind of flip a coin, um, then we usually get ourselves in trouble. That's now, where you jump from one to six. Yes, and then you come back to one again and, then, and you just keep going. Yeah. You just kind of flail is the, is the way we do that. And so that doesn't work very well. Um, and sometimes there's costs associated with this. You know, sometimes it's not free when you have to come back and do it again. Uh, sometimes we'll get ourselves into financial trouble or even um, trouble with someone uh, by not doing a, this the proper way. So we're going to spend some time really looking at this area of prudence and, and what it means to us, what it is, how it works, look at God's view of it, and we'll do similar to what we did with the conscience. Prudence. Okay, so here's a few things about it. Practical wisdom here in the middle, that's an important, that's kind of a wisdom but applied wisdom. Uh, this one I like a lot. The penetrating consideration which precedes action. Penetrating consideration. That's kind of a deep thought, uh, a thorough consideration of the topic. You're really getting into it and figuring out what all the, the um, aspects of it are so you know whether that's a, uh, the right thing to do. Uh, another good one is intelligent, sagacious, and understanding. So we have to apply some amount of intelligence to this and, uh, and some amount of understanding to this. Um, and then there's a couple more dis definitions. This one is very, very thorough. Uh, discernment, the avoidance of rash behavior or speech, the good management of talents and resources, Showing of tact and wisdom in relationship. This is kind of the end result view of it, right? This is after we made the decision, did we show discernment? Did we avoid rash behavior? Avoid rash speech? So um, this is a good this, this is a good uh, definition 
as well. There's one. Go ahead. Sound please. judgment. Yes, sounds judgment is is uh, it's very important. Um, and there's a there's another word discreet or discreetly uh, that comes into play, and I'm going to co cover this now, and it's going to be interspersed with everything we look at. Um, so this one is of sound mind and self-controlled. So that's, that's uh, discipline really is what that talks about. Being sober-minded, being temperate, being discreet, mind-possessing. You are in control of your mind. You're able to, to use that instrument uh, very, um, very accurately, uh, discreetly, sensibly, and prudently. So these are the kind of things we're going to look at or what is that? How do we do this? What's, what, um, what does God look at it? So if we're going to spend time looking at prudence, what probably is the book we're going to spend a lot of time in? Proverbs, the book of wisdom. You know, that's a word that's not used anymore. It's not. And Well, not very much. No. But it's, it's a good word. It uh -huh. just covers a lot of territory. Now this is the word where you'll find this interesting. I, the word prudence shows up very few times in the New Testament. Very, a lot in the Old Testament. So it's kind of the opposite of conscience. Uh, where it wasn't in the Old Testament. But uh, prudence is all over the Old Testament, but not in the New Testament so much. It's in the New Testament an example, a lot, but not necessarily in word. All right, so I want to start out with Proverbs 8. And this uh, passage is very um, telling about, and uh, normally I wouldn't want to read all these, this passage, but this is a... a this is a good passage where wisdom is shown as a person. So we personify wisdom. Wisdom is going to speak to us. And so, does not wisdom call? Doesn't understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights, beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the door, she cries out. She's everywhere that you're going to go. Um, she's going to catch you going from one place to another. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utter utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward. Unto him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Well, that one verse has all of it right there in one place. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the penetrating or perverted mouth I hate. That's packed full uh, when you look at this. Uh, about prudence and, and how we're to behave and how we're to act. I found it interesting that um, that wisdom is talking and understanding is talking. And those are two things we really want, right? And they're two things that are going to help us a lot in decision making. We want to be able to understand what we're talking about and have the wisdom to do the right thing. And so wisdom and understanding are talking. And uh, when we get down here, we see that naive ones are told to understand prudence. I think that's an opposite to it. So maybe an opposite view of prudence is to be naive. 
What's it mean to be naive? But it seems that the naive ones, it doesn't say, you know, I hope you can understand prudence, or maybe you can. Wisdom and understanding shout from the housetops. Yes. So even if you're naive, you can get wisdom and understanding if you choose to. Yes, and naive is kind of that blank slate. Yeah. Right? You're, you just don't know enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have enough uh, information. You're naive. And so to get that, you're going to understand prudence. You're going to understand how to take information and dissect mm -hmm. it and properly use it, properly apply it. Just like when we say fools need to get wisdom. And we understand that folly and wisdom are opposites to each other. Naivety and prudence are opposites to each other. And so uh, we need to be able to to learn and to know and to use information correctly. So over here he says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. So you might say that wisdom is the summation of prudence, knowledge, and discretion. Wisdom is pulling all those things together uh, into a single. And so there, there, wisdom is dwelling with all these things to create the complete man. Complete the create uh, create the complete person. Another uh, very good place for this is in Proverbs chapter one. So, this is introducing the book of Proverbs. What is the book of Proverbs all about? Well, these are the proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. That's the goal of the whole book of Proverbs. We just summed up the whole book right there. To know wisdom and instruction. Same thing we just saw in chapter eight. To discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in, in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is to make us not foolish, but wise to take wisdom and instruction and take it in. And so we're going to we're going to instruct the naive so that they will have prudence and they will have a better understanding uh, to be able to go out and do the work. And for the youth, which is probably also viewed in that category of naive, uh, we're going to give them knowledge, which will come from instructions and discretion, the knowledge and the ability to use that knowledge. So with that, that will sum up to be prudence to the naive. Um, we're going to help them now. So <clears throat> there's a lot uh, also here that we're being equipped with. The whole book of Proverbs is in a, a book to equip us for certain specifics. So let's look at some characteristics of prudence. <clears throat> we're going to just jump through these various Proverbs. Uh, the first one. The naive person believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. So from that, we see this word sensible is the word for prudent. So a prudent man considers his steps. Well, what are we talking about here in the overall decision-making? What is decision-making? A decision-making is considering your steps. What step am I going to take? I'll consider this option, this option, this option, and I'll pick a step from that. So the ESV uh, has prudent. It does have prudent in, in there. Yeah. Yes. And simple for naive, which you know. <laughs> it yes, is, it, it, it works. <laughs> yeah, and and simple. If you look at naive as kind of that blank slate person, simple makes that 
they're uh. clear as well. So, um, so we, we consider our steps. We think about what we're going to do before we do them. We evaluate. We're cautious and wise. And these things will keep us from doing uh, dumb things, doing careless things, doing arrogant things. And so that's uh, one of the things that prudence is going to give us is the ability to evaluate our steps. A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. What does that tell us? What is a, what is a man with anger, what would we call them as far as how they behave? They don't hold their tongue. No. And so they're very reactive, right? They don't, they don't plan, they just react. And, and we've talked about that in decision making, is that a good way to make decisions? It's a terrible way to, to make decisions to be reactive. We need to be thoughtful and think ahead. So for a person who's, who just um, is reactive with everything, a prudent man isn't that way. They're going to conceal dishonor. Well, what does that mean? We will not make as many mistakes. We'll not make the mistake that this person will make because we're going to be uh, thoughtful and we're going to slow down and we're going to make better decisions. And so with that thought, we will have a better outcome. Um, I think if we're prudent, maybe we've already made the decision to ignore someone else's anger or, you know, not to get embroiled in any, yes. any sort of um, um, foolish discussion. And that's not very easy sometimes, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not at and all. And that's why we have to think ahead, right? Because react, when we react, we're not going to react in the void. Mm -hmm. Reaction is going to cause us to engage. But if we've been practicing prudence, then it's easier. It's easier. <laughs> Not easy, but... It, it takes work. And this is kind of that habit place we want to get to, right? Where when someone comes at us, we don't react. Mm -hmm. Because our habit says we don't react. And so we need to get to that place where we don't react. All right, the wisdom of the prudent or sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. We kind of say that differently today. We have the same kind of saying, though. The foolishness of fools is deceit. Who do we lie mostly to? Ourselves. Right? We fool ourselves. We think we're one thing when we're something else. But the wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way. The wise person actually looks ahead and says, this is how I really am. Now, once with that, armed with that information, what can we do? can fix those things, right? Because the first step to fixing any problem is admitting you have one. And uh, if you won't admit it, like the fool won't, he'll never fix himself, he'll never, he'll never get better. So um, understanding our way is that kind of slowing down, taking the steps, looking at the alternatives, making better decisions, uh, same kind of idea. Yeah, like that one. <laughs> yeah, even a fool when he keeps his silence is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. That's kind of, it's very hilarious when you think about it. What's, what's it saying a prudent person is? A prudent person is a silent person, right? There's someone when you see them, you don't see them react. So if you'll just behave like a prudent person, people might just think you are. <laughs> Which is a, a reasonable first step, right? It's certainly not your end point, but it is a good first step. And um, usually, oh, sorry. Go choose your words carefully. You know, think about what you're going to say. And so, if you're silent, you're thinking about more what how you're going to react or respond instead of just responding and 
and that actually gets you started on the way. Basically. I'm saying usually the the person that uh, keeps their mouth closed as things lay out, their decision making making process changes because they get more information. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things that <laughs> all of a sudden you become more prudent. Mm -hmm. Even if you aren't, initially, as the conversation goes on, you're more silent. Yeah. There are times which, um, there are times when acting right, when you're not, when you're not right, sometimes to act right gets you started on the path to being right. Uh, sometimes you just have to act well instead of, instead of uh, changing everything, you just have to start at some point. All right, next one is Proverbs chapter 2. Uh, this one, the first eight verses are really, really good, and I, I didn't cover them, but basically what the first eight verses say is, if you'll receive my words, and you'll treasure, treasure my commandments within you, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, if you'll search diligently for truth and ask God, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. So that kind of sets the... How do we do this? How do we get more prudent? Well, we receive God's Word. We treasure His commandments. We search diligently for truth. We ask God uh, what He wants for us. Then we will be able to discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. We'll be able to see the right paths. So when we're evaluating alternatives, we'll see paths that are bad and paths that are good, but we'll be able to tell which ones are which with this prudence and discernment. We'll be able to split between the good ones and the bad ones. Knowledge will, uh, wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. So what's kind of the secret here to, to success in this verse, these verses? Receiving God's Word, yeah. searching Him, seeking after His knowledge, knowledge. Yeah, knowledge and, and knowing what God wants of us and having a dedication and commitment to Him. And considering knowledge will be pleasant. Because so many people say, well, I, I don't understand the Bible, it's boring. And, but, you know, if it's not. It's and not. if they could just be convinced that knowledge is pleasant. Yes. And, and in this case, we even see discretion guarding us. It's kind of there to keep us from getting thrown off course and from being um, taken advantage of. And so it will deliver us. So in doing all this though, we have to kind of slow down a little bit and consider God's ways. Jeremiah, concerning Edom, thus says the Lord of hosts, is there no longer any wisdom in Taman? Now we know in Edom there was no wisdom in Taman. That's kind of a rhetorical question. Has good counsel been lost to the prudent? Has their wisdom decayed? Um, from this we, we see that um, <coughs> that the prudent are ones who have good counsel. So in this case, it's not necessarily they have it, but it may be that they're also going and getting it. So that tells us that sometimes it's not all within us. Sometimes we need to have that good, trusted friend that we trust <coughs> and that we know will give us good answers and that will counsel us. Someone will use the right standard, the standard that we're using. So we talked earlier about decision-making. One of the things that, that that definition of a good decision was is things that, um, that apply to our own values, which means if we're going to have a counselor who's going to give us good advice, they need to have the same values that we do. Because if they have a different set of values, we'll just always be in this 
in this uh, fight with trying to figure out whether they're giving us good advice or not. And instead of being able to just take their advice, we constantly have to evaluate their advice. <laughs> I've been having that for a while. I have I've got to have this knee replaced. Well, people on this side tell me at my age, don't do it, you right, know, and right. then people over here say, yeah, you're going to live a long time yet, go ahead and do it. Sure. So I've, yeah. I, I need prudence and good counseling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need someone with the same view that you have, which there aren't a lot of people around like that, right? They don't have the same, they're not at the same age with That's the same it. decisions, right? Yeah, and I asked my doctor, he said, well, I haven't done that many knee replacements on nine years, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. he, he doesn't think it'll be any, any problems. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that I have decided, but I, that just came into my mind because yeah. it's been happening to me, and I hear, yeah. you know, everybody thinks it's good counsel. What they're sure. saying, they think it's good, and I ought to listen to it. But then sure. over here... And it's good to consider the alternatives, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. in the end, you've got to make that decision mm -hmm. of which of those alternatives is yeah. best for me. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and then once you do that, take the action and yeah, yeah. continue to monitor. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next one is kind of a um, is an example of this whole situation. So here we've got a person who's going to make a decision. There's a decision to be made. There's actually two in this in this set. First one is: Do we build the tower or do we, do we not build the tower? The second one is: Is we're going to go out and fight this king or are we going to sue for peace? Well, what's the underlying decision point here? What's the piece of information that he's told he needs before he can make this good decision? Sit down and count the cost. Count the cost. And so, with the good decisions, we need to consider the cost. Well, those are within the alternatives, right? We might have five. In this case, we have two alternatives. Build the tower or not build the tower. Well, we've, we've got to make that decision. And when we start looking at the pros and cons of that, one of them is, well, if we go ahead and try to build it and we don't finish, everyone's going to look at me and, and see how foolish I am. Well, is that what you want? Is that important to you? And then, um, so you have to sit down and calculate the cost. Do you have enough to complete it? And this obviously is more than just building a tower. This is about life and, uh, and life's decisions, so, and especially being a Christian. The next one is, is if you're going to go out and fight a king and he's got, um, whether you have 10,000 and he has 20,000, are you strong enough still to fight him and beat him? If you can't beat him, then you should probably sue for peace. Um, if you think you can, then, then go ahead. But counting the cost is an important thing. So this is a, this is a counting the cost and being reasonable and honest with yourself is uh, a good way or a prudent way to evaluate those alternatives. Now, if he just says, I don't care whether I can beat him, I'm going to go anyway, then what do we know about him? First Probably impulsive, a right? Example of prudence. Yeah, he's not very prudent. He's impulsive. He's yeah. going to, maybe he's got pride going on and he just wants to, to show that, you know, if nothing else, he's very courageous. Unfortunately, what will happen is they'll look back like Custer's last stand and say maybe he wasn't so smart. Um, so these kind of things come up and we have to consider the cost. Um, sometimes we have to look, be able to look ahead. We have to have some foresight and we have to use some caution and we have to evaluate very carefully. So in this first one, the prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. So what's happening in that verse? 
What does it mean to hide yourself? It's probably not getting involved. Yeah, stay away from it. Stay away from it. So he sees the evil. Now, that takes some skill in and of itself, right? You've got to be able to see the evil, which means when you start looking at alternatives, you've got to be able to see that some of those are evil. And what did we just look at that will help you know the evil ones from the good ones? If you train your conscience correctly. And so he sees the evil, and he stays away from it. This guy, he doesn't see the evil. He just goes plunging forward, and, and uh, he's punished because of that. And so what was really his problem? It wasn't that he was a gung-ho, courageous kind of guy. It was he didn't look forward and, and consider the cost. He didn't think about the alternatives. He didn't even probably realize there was a choice to be made. He just plunged forward. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. So this is the same thing. This shows up in two different places. Uh, so this is kind of an example of one, another, another good uh, example. When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what's before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man of great appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food. What is he talking about? I always like that person. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Because we all have a big appetite, don't we? <laughs> so... Why do we put a knife to our throat? Stop ourselves from eating, right? <laughs> we want to stop. We got we got to rein this in because if we let our emotions and our lusts drive us, where will we find ourselves? We'll find ourselves in this man's debt. And what he wants is something more than we can pay. And so, if you're going to go dine with a ruler, usually. You know, if the president calls you out and said, come on down, I'm going to be in Phoenix, so I'm going to eat at the, the teepee Mexican restaurant, you know, come down and eat with me. Well, there's a couple things happening. Well, first of all, you feel pretty honored that he would consider you, right? Second thing is you might wonder what's up by me, what's happening. And so you need to have that kind of a view of a cautious and a forward-looking view of what's happening, what's he up to, what's he want. Why me? What's and you you take stock of these things and evaluate these things, and then if you have a weakness, what do you want to do with that weakness? Control it. Hide it. Yeah, control it. So if he wants to, um, if he wants you to do something where that that particular area is your weakness, you might want to engage you in some other way. Um, so don't let your weakness show. Don't get involved because it's deceptive. It's going to fool you into thinking that you're getting something that you're not. And so um, that's a that's a, a, a good one to, to look at. And then Amos, for I know your transgressions are many and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor in the gate. Therefore at such a time the prudent person keeps silent for it is an evil time. This one's tough. Um, here he's saying, I, I, I'm looking around me and I see how evil everyone is. And I know that as everybody's trying to catch everybody. Yeah, they want to take the righteous and they want to catch him in, in issues. They want to bribe him. They want to turn him aside. They want to, they want to uh, create places where they can fall. And so the prudent person is going to stay silent. Why? Because this person is just trying to catch him in something. And, and then he's going to trash his reputation and ruin him. And so there are times when silence is the best option. You know, don't, don't go out and start. There are times when waving the Christian flag is good 
and there are times when waving the Christian flag is going to create more uh, negative publicity for Christ than good. And so we need to be able to know the difference between those. That's a tough one because we don't really want to get stopped by those things, but there are times when you know they're they're they already have their mind made up, and you're not going to change them. All you're all you're going to do is let yourself get caught, and so that that takes some pretty um, good evaluation skills to be able to know when to speak up or when not to. And then there's uh, the one New Testament passage that we see prudent in. This is probably the one place in the New Testament where prudent is shown uh, quite extensively. So we have the five foolish virgins and the five prudent virgins, and they're actually called the prudent. Now, what made these five more prudent? They thought ahead. They thought ahead, didn't they? So, if you think about this, they went to the wedding and they had, had took some oil with them, and and uh, the wedding went a little bit long, and they were running out of some of them were running out of oil, some of them didn't. Well, they thought ahead. Is it possible this wedding will go too long? Well, those things happen. And so they looked ahead and they said, things can happen, what are the things that can happen? What, how would I counter those things? What, if it takes too long, what might I need more of? And you know, that might be, maybe I need some food, maybe I need some oil. In this case, the prudent brought more oil. And in, the, in this particular example, they, weren't giving, they didn't give it to the foolish ones and so the foolish ones had to leave, and when it came time to uh, go into the wedding, they weren't there. And this is really what an example of Christianity and being a Christian, right? Uh, if you're prepared and you, and you take care of things well, uh, when it comes time to go into heaven, you'll be ready. But if you're always backtracking and you're not making good decisions, you're going to find yourself left out. And so think ahead. Be, be, be the kind of person that thinks steps ahead. It's kind of like a chess player. You, you think a few steps ahead instead of just being right on uh, track with everything and find yourself getting in trouble. Alright. The next uh, general topic is um, we need to be able to handle knowledge properly. And we talked about knowledge and where how important knowledge is in this. Uh, prudent man conceals knowledge, but the hearts of fools proclaim folly. Uh, that seems backwards. Why would we conceal knowledge? I mean, isn't knowledge something really important that we want to get out there? That's not really what he's saying here. What's he mean by that then? Just don't, like, <laughs> used to we had a friend and my husband said, you ask him what time it is and he'll tell you how to build a clock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes too much knowledge proclaims you a fool. And, and you think you're being really smart. Oh yeah, but, but, but you're, you're not. not. And so And he probably could tell you how to build a clock, but that wasn't what you asked. Right. And so sometimes concealing the knowledge you have, what does that tend to I mean, when do we tend to throw all of our knowledge out when we're too we think too highly of ourselves and also I also related to gossip. Yeah. And some of that's even uh, thinking too highly because we got information that you don't have and you really need it and I'm going to get it for you and, and I'll even I'll even take that information and interpret it for you so you'll know exactly what it means. And so, but a prudent man conceals his knowledge. He doesn't tell you everything he knows. He doesn't try to to show off in front of everybody. He just sometimes maybe you conceal too much, like in the case. Yeah. You know what I feel well, that, that's why I said that seems a little backwards at yeah. times because we do need to get 
good knowledge out mm -hmm. there and good information out there. Uh, this wouldn't be a good advice for a counselor, would it? Mm -hmm. Don't hide that knowledge because that's what they're there for. So um, the prudent, if we're prudent, we see the tip of the iceberg. But if we're a fool, we see the whole thing. When they look at us, they don't see all of us. They see a tip of the iceberg. But with the fool, you see it all. And usually what that means is you see how foolish they are. Uh, the prudent man acts with knowledge, but the fool displays folly. That's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the naive inherit foolishness, and the sensible are crowned with knowledge. So if you look at this as an inheritance, inheritances are important to us, right? That's something that we get that's very important. The sensible, the prudent, are going to be crowned with knowledge. It's more than just get knowledge. So what is it? What's the picture of being crowned with knowledge? You're being honored in some way, right? You're being... I think people accept that you have knowledge, so they come to you uh -huh. if, if they need help with a question or, or something. Yeah. They know who to go a crown to. in your head, a feather in your cap, you know, yeah. those sorts of uh -huh. things. But don't don't brag about it. Right. But the naive, all they're going to get is foolishness. Now, foolishness was kind of compared to wisdom, right? The opposite of wisdom. So the naive, if they remain naive, their end goal is going to be to the unwise. They're going to be fools. And so we've got to fix naivety with prudence. And if we're prudent, then we're going to get knowledge. And the knowledge is what's going to take us on to wisdom. And so there is a fix for this whole naivety problem. And knowledge is heavily involved. And this is another one of those sayings. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What does that say? Sometimes you just need to wash your hands of people. Uh-huh. And that's a decision, right? Sometimes the, what seems like the wrong thing to do is the right thing to do. We, we tend to think, well, we got to go, you know, we got to take them all the way till they finally die. Well... There are times when you just brush the dust off your feet and you move on. Sometimes putting your putting your um, the word of Christ in front of someone who doesn't want it is just a waste of your time. And that's kind of what this is. You need to be able to evaluate situations and know when you're wasting your time and know when you're not wasting your time. And in some cases, you might even be in danger. They may they might tear you up. And so you might, and that may not be literal. That might be. They'll ruin your faith. They'll shipwreck you. Yeah, that reminds me of Jesus' parable of the sower. Uh, you know, some the birds ate and some on rocky soil. And he didn't say go back and plant some more or go back and try to remove the rocks. He he went on to people who wouldn't yeah. accept. And just what leave, it, leave them alone. Don't, yeah. don't get involved uh, just, in them. Leave them alone until later. Uh -huh. Don't waste them. your time on them. Yep. Okay. Then there are times when we need to speak wisely. And uh, Proverbs talks about that. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. That's pretty, that's pretty eye-opening. It's very easy to understand, but a lot of our troubles come from opening our mouths, right? We self-induce most of our troubles. And uh, how do we stop that from happening? Well, this says guard your mouth. But that really means slow down a little bit, take your time, don't be reactive, don't uh, just let um, things drive you. Yeah, have some knowledge, 
in some ways, be comfortable with yourself. Uh, Psalms 39, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. Why is it so important while the wicked are in my presence? Because their only goal is to do what? Just to tear, tear you up. It goes back to that previous yes, verse. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so while they're in our presence, we need to, we need to be able to evaluate whose presence we're in and what their motive's all about and what they're really focused on. And then sometimes we need to just be quiet because it will just do more harm than good. Because they can turn what you say against you as we're yeah. finding out, you know, with all that's going on. Oh, yes, Anything absolutely. you say can be twisted. It, if, and it is it, twisted. If the person wants to twist it. It's heavily twisted nowadays, yes. And then we see in James 3 that our tongue is like a fire. It'll just it'll burn us up. It'll take us places we don't want to go. And uh, we need to bridle it. And we need, we need to use it prudently. We need to use uh, care when we open our mouth. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 15.5 A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Now, this talks about having a teachable spirit. So, a fool doesn't want to be disciplined. Now, father's discipline, why would that why would that be uh, one of the areas that might be a problem? Father wants, to, wants the fool to change his ways, like our father wants us to change our ways. Okay. Uh, and be sensible, listen to him, because that's the best way to go. Yeah, and sometimes, um, sometimes your best friend could tell you the same thing as your father does, and you'll listen to them, but you won't hear your father. Sometimes you just want to be... And some of that's pride. Some of that is trying to stand on your own two feet. Um, but if you if you're willing to take reproof, then you'll be prudent. So what's one of the keys to having prudence? Be willing to accept being corrected, being being fixed. So this kind of also speaks to if you're going to have a counselor, then what better you? What should you be willing to do? Hear what they say and do what they say. And if, if he's going to discipline you or, or reprove you, you better be willing to accept what he's telling you or you're not going to get any value out of it. So that's part of our development. So having the right answer is better than being right many times. Okay, Proverbs 18, 15. The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So this is all about getting knowledge and being teachable and be able, being able to seek. So there is some effort involved. We have to seek it. It's not just going to come get, get us. We have to acquire it. So we're going to have to go learn it. Uh, so we learn it from study and we learn it from uh, counselors and other people who will help us. Strike a scoffer and the naive may become shrewd, but reprove one who has understanding and he will gain knowledge. When I first looked at this, I thought the scoffer and the naive were the same person, but they're not. So if we strike a scoffer, a scoffer's not going to change. That's kind of the definition of the scoffer. Scoffer's not going to change. He's not going to be affected. So you can strike him, but what good is it going to do? None. Except there is some value in doing it. If you strike a scoffer, then this naive person is standing by watching and what's going to happen to him. He's going to become imprudent. I don't want to act like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah. And if you're naive uh -huh. and you're trainable, then you'll see that and say, 
well, that's not where I want to be, so I'm going to be a little more shrewd than that, and I'm going to behave a little bit better. So the naive might need these kinds of negative examples to get them to move towards being prudent. But what will one who has understanding need? Just some reproof, and he's going to go gain more knowledge. So this person is teachable, easily teachable. In fact, you just have to do a little for them, and they kind of take off and run with it themselves. These guys need a lot of hand-holding. They need a lot of examples. They need a lot of uh, help. And the last section here, uh, <clears throat> house and wealth are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So this says that the physical things we have on this earth we inherit much of that stuff. We get it from other sources. It's kind of a, the worldly pursuits, not meaning worldly in, ter in negative terms, but our physical pursuits. But a prudent wife comes from the Lord. What does that tell you about a prudent wife? Greater than anything you have on this earth. Yes. And, and it's not something that you can claim that you went and got because God gave her to you. And it's very, very important. So we want one of these because these are going to keep us out of lots of trouble. Especially as men, we get into lots of trouble because we don't always stop. We don't ask directions for much of anything either. So, <laughs> so uh, First Timothy, an overseer must be above reproach, but they also need to be prudent. So if we have around us a good wife and, and a good uh, church structure, good counselors, what shape will we be in? Much, much better shape. These are the kind of this is the kind of environment where we can thrive and where we can can uh, do very well with. Um, and I think we'll just stop there because this kind of hits a section of uh, of discernment kind of or discretion uh, kind of topic. So we'll stop there and we'll pick it up and uh, we'll go on into uh, deeper into decision making from that. Please tell me as you go into the discernment, you're going to have you know the the gold ring in a pig's snout. Yes, likely. I do have that one. Good. Yes, good. I had to describe that one to Mike, to Mike a little bit more in depth. He's like, "What's that mean?" Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that we we somehow ended up in Proverbs all day. Right. <laughs> while they're studying Proverbs, everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you can study Proverbs.